Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all this morning. It's a pleasure to see everybody this morning and to welcome you and to say a very special word of welcome to anybody who is visiting with us this morning. We're so happy that you're here. We hope that everybody feels very much at home here at GPC. And if you're visiting with us, we want you to have a very special word of welcome this morning. We invite everyone to please fill in the friendship pad. It's the maroon pad on the inside aisle of each pew. If you're visiting with us this morning, then you can certainly indicate that on the friendship pad, and we'll be so happy to uh, reach out to you personally this week and to tell you more about who we are as a family of faith. But please, everyone, sign that, mark your attendance with us, and then you can greet everyone personally uh, in just a few minutes. There are some yellow visitor's bags, I know, out in the narthex. We had some people looking for them last week, and we ran out. And so we made up a few more. There's a couple on the table along the back wall of the narthex, and there's some more, I believe, on the table outside in the activity center lobby. So if you need one of those, then please do find that. The visitor's bag has uh, lots of information in it about life here at GPC. Lots going on this uh, afternoon and this evening here at GPC. Let me just remind you, of course, of a very special uh, occasion this afternoon at 2.30 here in our sanctuary. We're going to have our Amplify Special Needs Musical Performance. This is a wonderful uh, Thursday morning special needs group that meets here at GPC, and um, it's really an incredible program. It brings in people from all over our whole community and they come and they learn instruments and they play and it's really, really an outstanding performance. And that'll be this afternoon at 2.30 here. I hope you can come to that if you'd like to know more about our special needs program and what that entails. That I know that uh, Jackie will be here and others who can tell you about this great program in the life of the church. And then this evening, we are going to have uh, continue in our outdoor, we almost are certain, but not quite certain, yet outdoor concert series and evening worship group. Our, our evening worship uh, uh, musicians will be here to lead us uh, in several songs. It's not the same as evening worship. It's a little bit different. It's more musical. There will be a, a very brief homily, different from this morning's, but very brief homily prayers, but mostly music this evening at six o'clock probably in our parking lot um, in Arthur Road. I invite you to bring a lawn chair and to uh, bring uh, refreshments if you like. If it's not outside, it will be inside in the activity center. We'll make a judgment call very soon, and whatever call we make, it will be wrong, because if you make the call to put it inside, the clouds will part and it will be beautiful, but we'll make the call this afternoon at some point. But please do come back this evening and be there for our evening uh, worship musicians as they lead us in song and you'll have a great chance of fellowship, and, and there will be a Mempops food truck there, so you can have your favorite unique, every flavor from Mempops is very creatively named and creatively designed, so come back and enjoy Mempops and our evening worship team this evening at 6. VBS registration is still open for just a little while more. I know that um, we've got a great number of kids signed up. It's a different program this year. It's from 4 to 7, 4 to 6 will be lots of uh, VBS activities, crafts, music, stories, all the great things. And then from 6 to 7, along with a family meal, there are going to be activities for the whole family. And so uh, come and support this. Bring your children or grandchildren or neighbors. And uh, this is going to be a great VBS for us this summer. And you can see more information about that in your, uh, in your bulletin. 
Last but not least, um, second to last but not least, there's a congregational meeting next Sunday. We have one elder replacement to elect and one deacon uh, to replace uh, for folks who have moved away. And so um, we'll have a very brief, probably not more than 45-second congregational meeting next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service to elect one deacon and one elder. And then uh, our last announcement is always uh, one of the best ones we can have, and that is to welcome some new members into the life of GPC. We had several people join last Sunday. We've had uh, four more people join this Sunday. And so I'll call their names out and invite them to stand. And then after that, at the end of our service, they'll be up here in the front. uh, And at, at the end of the last hymn, after the conclusion of that hymn, you can come up and you can greet them personally and welcome them into the life of GPC. But first, we have Brennan and Jim Gallion, who I think are there uh, in the back, and we welcome them to GPC. Uh, They live at the village, and they, of course, have family here, uh, children and grandchildren here at GPC, and so we're so grateful for their being part of GPC. And then we have Mark and Sean Raines, who are right over here, and they may be familiar to some folks who have been around a while because they were GPC members for a long time. Before uh, a brief, uh, oh, well, a 15-year interlude in Middle Tennessee, and then they've come back to us as well. So we are so grateful to welcome uh, all of you into uh, GPC and into active membership here. Thank you. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Let us praise the God of our salvation. May our voices and instruments be lifted up in worship of Almighty God. Please stand as we join together in our call to worship. The Lord is King. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Light dawns for the righteous, and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, holy and righteous, and give thanks to his holy name.
God is merciful and just. God cannot abide our sin, yet God provides the means for forgiveness through Christ. Let us pray together our prayer of confession. We confess that the weight of sin is too heavy for us to bear. Without your graceful intervention, we would be crushed by our poor choices, selfish indulgences, and wrong beliefs. Please have mercy on us again and forgive us in the name of Christ. He lived the life intended for us, and he was obedient where we are not. Shield us from judgment by seeing Jesus in our place, we humbly pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the risen Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. Got a lot of guys up here this morning. All right, fantastic. All right, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be with you this morning. And uh, I want to just call your attention to something that's here every Sunday in our worship service, that it's the first thing I see whenever I come in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning. The very first thing I see are the flowers every Sunday morning. I don't know if you see those uh, when you come in, but every week we have a, 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 a one person or a team of people who come in, and they usually come in on Saturdays, and they are true artists. And they have the flowers that are provided by another church member, and, and they make an arrangement that is absolutely stunning every single week. So what do you see in there this morning? I want to see what color, or do you even know actually what one of the flowers might be in there? What colors do you see? You see some blue? Okay, what else? Uh, what do you see in there, Joseph? Joseph? 
There's some yellow, and some, the yellow kind of turns into some orange in there. What else do you see? Do you see one, Susie? I see purple. Purple, of course. Look at the purple that's in there. The, all these colors that come together, purple, green, maybe a little bit of blue in there also. All of these beautiful colors that come together from this arrangement. And so I want you to notice that next time you come in next Sunday and see how beautiful that is. I brought some plants of my own in this morning for us. If you were wondering why these might be here, these are plants. Most of them are from my office or from some part around the church. So I wanted to share this one with you. This is from my office. That is one. And then this is from our office area out here. And you can see now, are these the same kind of plant? No, of course not. How how do you know that they're different? All right, you can see some of the leaves on mine in my office are kind of long and pointy where these are a little more rounded, even kind of an oval shape, right? What about this plant right here? It's almost like a vine, right? It's almost like a viney kind of long plant. And then this, does anybody know what this is? A fern. It's exactly right. It's a fern. It's a fern that usually lives in our narthex, but I pulled it out here for this this morning. I pull all these plants in here, and I wanted to show you those beautiful flowers because in the Bible, Jesus uses plants more than anything else to talk to us about faith and to talk to us about what who we are as his followers and who we should be. He talks about plants, and he uses trees as his example. And then there's one tree that's talked about in the Bible that's uh, it's found, you see it sometimes in the very beginning, and today in our scripture lesson, it's going to be there at the very end, the Bible paints a picture of this big tree called the tree of life. And in this reading from Revelation, we're going to have a little bit later, it talks about how the leaves on the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And one thing you may know already from some of your science classes is that we have so many medicines, so many medicines and so many things that help us that come from plants. I take medicines every now and then from time to time, and those some of those medicines come from plants, or they come from trees. And so it's great to see in the Bible how many times Jesus or another writer of the Bible uses trees or a tree or a vine or some kind of fruit to tell us about what faith is like. And so in one place, it talks about how we, and it's all, it's all kind of, uh, it's a little mysterious, but it talks about how we ought to produce good fruit in our lives. Now, you may like bananas or grapes. You may like oranges. Those are all very tasty. But it says Jesus' followers, Jesus' followers produce fruit. And those fruits are things like honesty, Telling the truth and having compassion and having love for other people, those are the fruits that we make in our lives. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of some kind of flower, okay? Think of some kind of flower or some kind of plant, and I want you to come back next week and tell me about it, some kind of flower or plant that you have in your yard. I want to hear what it is, and you tell me a little bit about it, okay? All right, let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for trees and plants and for all creation. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus and for our life with him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for people like Ezekiel and John who have visions. They give us hope. We pray for insight into their visions this morning as we turn to your holy word. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Ezekiel 47, reading verses 1 through 2, 7 through 9, and 12. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Their water was flowing from below the entryway of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east, and the water was flowing down from below the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and the water was trickling out on the south side. He said to me, Mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river. As I came back, I saw the bank of the river, a great many trees on the one side and on the other. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. And when it enters the sea, the sea is stagnant waters. The water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish once these waters reach there. It will become fresh, and everything will live where the river goes. On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but there will be very fresh food every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. We continue in our series on Revelation today, and thanks to Max Lino for that great reading from Ezekiel, because it shows us that when John has his vision, it's not in a vacuum. He is borrowing on other places in Scripture, and we saw in earlier sermons in this series how uh, John draws heavily on Isaiah and several of Isaiah's prophecies, and then here at the very end, the very end of the book of Revelation, John is going to draw heavily on Ezekiel. This vision that Ezekiel had hundreds of years before John will now show up again in John's own words as John adapts it for, uh, for his own context. So we read from the book of Revelation 22, 1 through 7. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more light, for they don't need light, no lamp of the light, no light of the lamp or the sun, for the Lord God will be their light." And they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. For the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps these words of the prophecy of this book. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. 
You might remember the show Home Improvement from the 1990s, one of the most uh, enjoyable shows from that decade. If you do, then you will know that two or three times per episode, Tim Allen would have an over-the-fence conversation with his neighbor, Wilson. And for the entire eight-year run of that show, nobody ever saw Wilson except from about the nose up, because that was all anybody ever saw of him. Wilson dispensed all kinds of pearls of wisdom and anecdotes and little stories, proverbs. He was a sounding board for Tim Allen's character, and that who was always in trouble, always some mistake, something he did or didn't do, or some kind of family dilemma, problem plagued him, and he would look over the fence like that at Wilson for advice, and he would usually receive it. Well, I have a relationship with a neighbor like that. My back neighbor, we're separated by a six-foot-tall fence, and so we see each other frequently on Saturdays or when we take out the garbage both in the back. We see each other, and we'll have a conversation usually seeing each other from about the nose up. And until fairly recently, when we put in a gate, that's all we had for a decade. We wouldn't see each other outside of that usually ever, or even though our streets are just apart, never would see him except from the nose up. We have these conversations. About a month ago, he looked over the fence and leaned over and said, I've got something you have to see. So he held his phone, sort of crooked it over the top of the fence, and he took a picture of a leaf that was hanging down from a tree right over the fence, and he said, your tree is a, is a mulberry tree. And I said, I know. I can see all of the purple mulberries all over the ground, and even worse, on the white car on which they have dropped, and, and they just have stained everything purple because that's what they do for eternity, those darn mulberries. But then he showed me his phone, and he was using an app called Picture This. I don't know if you have this app on your phone. I've got it now. I know Susie's got it because we've compared notes frequently about it. The app, if you use your camera and the app together, it takes a picture. It scans a leaf that you take a picture of, and you learn everything about that tree. It's bark, what kind of seed or what kind of fruit or nut it produces. This app has become an instant hit for me. Anybody else have the uh, picture this app? All right, a few people out there have that. It's fascinating for me. I've I've taken pictures of lots of pictures in the last week or so. All the plants in my office, several of which are over there, I've taken pictures of those to learn what they are. I've been watering some of them for 10 years, and I've had no idea what they are. Or, more accurately, you scan the leaf and all the brown spots on it, the app can tell you how underwatered your plants are in your office. You can take a picture of an insect on a tree or maybe even more importantly, a tomato plant, and you can learn what that insect is and how to treat it. Is it a benign, friendly insect or is it a sinister insect that's going to ruin your tomato plants and then ruin your whole summer? That app will tell you. It'll also tell you what kind of plants you might have around the house that are toxic or poisonous for your pets or for your children. And I thought about this. The irony is it is so hard to get kids to eat anything green anyway. So what's the likelihood of them eating a plant? I don't know. But it'll tell you if you shouldn't have that plant in your house. And fascinatingly enough, it'll tell you what plants or what trees you might have that are 
that are beneficial, that could be used for medicinal purposes. According to the National Institute of Cancer Research, over 60% of the top 150 prescribed drugs in the U.S. come from plants. And that's not a surprise to any of the researchers out there, but it's true. And it shouldn't surprise us. We've known this throughout human history. You can go back and see in, in ancient records that as early as 2700 B.C., ancient Chinese cultures were using herbs and other plants to treat illnesses. Those of you who are physicians might know that around the year 400 B.C., Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, classified over 350 plants for healing and for medicinal purposes. Of course, the topical medicine around our house for anything skin-related is aloe. Aloe. If you get a scrape or a burn or a sunburn or a rash, just go and find the aloe and rub a little aloe on it, and you'll probably be better in two or three days. It's no surprise It's no surprise that in the Bible, as I talked a little bit about just a few minutes ago, trees and plants are symbolic of life. Trees in particular are symbolic of strength and of good health and of healing. A tree representing life itself is found in the creation stories in Genesis. It's called the tree of life. And the tree of life is referred to not only in Genesis, but throughout Scripture. You may remember also that Adam and Eve are warned not about the tree of life in Genesis, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the idea behind this tree of life and the creation stories is that anyone who ate from it would live forever. So this idea, this concept of a tree of life shows up in other places in Scripture later on. It shows up and it is symbolic for something, for anything that might be life-enhancing or life-giving, life-sustaining is considered a tree of life. You think about just all the, the fruit that you enjoy, the good fruit that you might have around your house, oranges, grapes, apples, kiwi, whatever you might have, those things that you enjoy that taste good, that keep you healthy. Just like those, Scripture talks about habits or practices or actions that we do that make life enjoyable, that make it meaningful, that sustain a good life for each one of us. Proverbs talks about this tree of life in relation to God's wisdom. Proverbs 11 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Another Proverbs says that how you speak, how you use your tongue could be a tree of life. It says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. That good words, upbuilding words, helpful words sustain life. And then, yes, we know this just from a casual glance at the New Testament, that one of the most often used illustrations by Jesus is that of a plant or a vine or a tree and especially fruit. Jesus talks about fruit often, and he does so in the context of of, of just right and wrong, of things we should do versus things we shouldn't, our ethics. We are known by the fruit that we make. Jesus asks this of people. When you read through and you listen to him teach, you can see that he is asking you and me, what kind of plant are you? What kind of fruit do you produce? Who are you? What is your sense of God's 
purpose in your life, and then how do you act? Do you act in ways that enhance life and that create good? Or do you produce anything toxic, something that sickens life for you or other people? In the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Jesus talks about fruit. He says, you will know people by their fruits. You'll know if there's a good tree there, a good person there by their fruits. You'll know if it's a bad tree that produces bad fruit. Jesus used fruit when he was encountering the Pharisees. He found a time when the Pharisees were particularly, um, they were being, they were having all kinds of hypocrisy. And they were saying things that, that Jesus knew was wrong. And he said, you will know a tree by its fruit. And all their hypocritical actions were seen visible in the fruit of their lives. After Jesus, Paul uses fruit in several places. He uses fruit as an illustration of the Holy Spirit's work in a person's life. He says, whenever you see love or joy or, or peace or patience or kindness, gentleness or self-control, if you see those, those types of fruit, then you will know that the Holy Spirit is actively at work in that person's life. There are other fruits that are poisonous. Anger and envy, strife, jealousy, drunkenness, carousing. Eat from those, eat that fruit, and you'll be sick. I don't know if you grow anything in your yard, um, but people in biblical times always did. Most households in biblical times had something, a tree or a bush or multiple things around their homes by which they grew their own food for their own consumption. Figs and grapes and olives were prolific. People were around fruit every day, around trees that they would consume every day and use in their household lives. And then two writers of the Bible have this vision, major visions, major ideas that come from and have another take on this tree of life idea, the tree of life. Ezekiel. We've talked about Ezekiel several times in this sermon series. We've seen how he has visions for his persecuted community. He writes in visions and dreams like John does. Ezekiel has a vision here. It's of multiple trees by a river, by a stream of water. These trees produce fruit. They produce things that are good for life. And, and Ezekiel says their leaves are for healing, healing. And the river that's in Ezekiel's vision is especially symbolic of health and vitality. It flows from the temple in ancient Jerusalem. So it flows from their temple, from the Holy of Holies, out the temple, out the door, down the streets, and it forms this river on which, on which both sides are all these trees, trees and animals and creatures. They all thrive by drinking from this water. And then the river itself is so pure, it flows into seas that are, have stagnant water, brackish water that nothing can live in. When the pure water flows into it, it transforms it and makes it pure. And there are all kinds of fish and creatures that are teeming in this purified water. So for Ezekiel, for his people who have been so downtrodden, who have been so, so burned by experiences in life, it's a vision how the God they love, 
the God they worship in that temple, how God will come from that temple, their worship of Almighty God, and God will flow with mercy and grace and love, will flow into their lives and refresh and renew them as God's people. God's mercy and love will flow into their lives again. They'll be revived, they will be healed, and they will flourish. So then John, John knows this vision. And as he is writing to his persecuted community, these people who need to hear some message of hope, John takes this vision that that most of them would know as well, this vision from Ezekiel, and he picks up on it, and he uses it and and tweaks it, but uses it to, to draw on a vision of hope at the end of Revelation. So we have this, this book that we've been looking at. It's all of its wild battles and beasts and vivid colors and numbers. We have said, though, ultimately at the end, it's a book about hope. It's a book about God's victory, God's victory winning in the end, written to people who were suffering to encourage them to persevere, to just keep going through the suffering if you persevere and keep going and keep moving forward in your faith, in the end, God wins. And so you will also. So John borrows from Ezekiel. He describes this this beautiful river, this crystal clear river flowing from God's throne down into the city. This city we looked at last week where God dwells with his people and people dwell with God, where the God lives together with us. This river flows in through this city in a beautiful image. And it's there on your bulletin cover. I don't know if you saw the bulletin cover when you looked at it, but it is a beautiful representation in art of this tree of life straddling this pure river, providing abundantly good fruit for everyone who is hungry. And the leaves, says John, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. These are healing leaves. And that word there, nations, is significant because it's the word the New Testament uses for Gentiles, for non-Jews. The leaves of this tree are for the healing of of anybody and everybody in the world who turns to God. No matter who you are, no matter what your affliction might be, whatever your life has turned out to be, God offers leaves of healing for you. Healing will flow into your life, flow like this pure water this crystal clear water, and God will sustain your life, and God will heal your life. I want to end by inviting you to imagine what leaves of healing you need most in your life. If you could go, off, if you could go and pick off leaves of healing from this tree of life that you need the most, what would they be for? Leaves like aloe vera, leaves to soothe over the burned and scarred parts of your life, those places in life that make you angry, even bitter at life or at God or society. Maybe it's places of regret that still scrape your heart. Leaves of healing to revive a relationship that may be dying. Leaves of healing to provide peace. Peace because your heart is agitated. Peace for some reason you can't even put your finger on. Leaves of peace for our world. Our world 
literally for the nations because war and conflicts never cease. Maybe it's leaves of truth to help you stand for what is good and for what is right, to to fortify you every day when you go into the workplace or fortify you when you go into places of struggle where you you need to do right and it's hard to do so. When God promised that the leaves of healing were for the nations, he was not talking just about masses and masses of people out there unconnected to us, but he is talking about us. Each one of us and and us as a church talking about leaves of healing for you and your life, whatever it may be, and for me and mine. God promises he will provide healing for us in our faith which is why I love this image at the very end of Revelation. Because it provides this image of hope after everything else in this book, this image of hope of healing for you and for me. Amen. This morning we have been replenished and refreshed by the healing words of Scripture. And we have the gift of reaffirming, rededicating our lives to Christ in gratitude for the sustenance and the saving grace that He gives us every day. So would you stand as you are able and join me as we recommit ourselves to Christ through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, I'm I'm going to switch hats for just a moment and put on my mental health professional hat and share with you just a bit about Mental Health Awareness Month, which is the month of May. We know that being in touch with our own mental health as well as the mental health of those that we love and those around us has always been of importance But we've all been through something so extraordinary in the last two years that mental health issues have come to the fore in a way that they haven't in a long, long time. Before we can have an awareness of mental health, we need to have a keen awareness of what mental illness looks like. So I'm going to share with you just some aspects of mental illness. Depression. It's more than grief. It's an overwhelming sadness that does not go away. Anxiety is when worries and fears affect our ability to function day in and day out. Compulsive behaviors. 
when our anxieties manifest in behaviors that we feel as though we must do over and over again. Bipolar, when mood swings, very high highs and very low lows are a part of our daily life. Psychosis, when we feel as though our brain is playing tricks on us, when we see and hear and believe things that don't seem real or quite right. Eating disorders, when our physical well-being and health are impacted by the way we eat, what we eat, and when we don't eat. Personality disorder traits, long-term patterns of thoughts and behaviors that are unhealthy and inflexible. These cause damage and destruction to every relationship as one's own stresses get projected onto those that are closest to us. Examples include triangulating others into whatever's going on in our world, deflection of what's going on onto someone else, and scapegoating, calling out someone else when the problems are really ours and there's more. Post-traumatic stress, when we are continually bothered by a previous traumatic life event. Addiction, when alcohol or controlled substances take over our lives. These are some examples of brain disorders that can make life very difficult. And in the midst of crisis and uncertainty and disorder in our lives, such as living through this pandemic, mental illness struggles can be exasperated. So what can we do? How can we help ourselves and those around us? The first thing we can do is what we're doing right now, is to hear what they are, to normalize them, to know that they are in the lives of those people that we love most and sometimes in our own lives, to recognize that and know that it can be a normal part of life and we need to accept that and to help ourselves and others. And so we need to ask for help. So if any of these ring true for you and you haven't gotten help before, please know that there is help available for you. And here at GPC, we have a lot of connections with organizations, and I have lists of therapists and resources that I'm happy to share. Samaritan Counseling is uh, one way that you can get the help that you need. And I have some brochures if you would like to know more about Samaritan Counseling. They have offices right below the chapel. And their therapists are, um, they, they treat all of the maladies that I just mentioned, as well as they do psychological assessments. And they see children and youth. They see adult individuals. They see couples, families, and groups. I've been honored to serve on the board of Samaritan Counseling for the last three and a half years, and we are seeking new board members. So if you're someone who is interested in mental health awareness like I am, and you're also interested in all Memphians who seek counseling being able to be served, whether they're able to pay a full fee or not, please let me know, um, as again, we would like to have new board members. 
The National Alliance on Mental, Mental Illness, called NAMI, they used to meet here at GPC, but now they are currently meeting virtually, but we still have a very strong connection with NAMI, and um, they care for family members who have someone in their family who's suffering from a mental illness. We provide grief support. So this group meets monthly. It is under the direction of Stephanie Wall, who is a bereavement, certified bereavement counselor. And she, along with Linda Oakes and Beth Brock, provide this monthly grief support. And if you would like to know more about the grief uh, support, just reach out to Stephanie or Beth or Linda or myself, and we'd be happy to help you. Stephanie also provides individual grief counseling for those who need it. And if you would pick up or look online for the main newsletter, I've listed a lot more ways that you can receive the help that you need or your family members, you can help them to find it. And always know, too, that we are here for you as your pastors. We're happy to provide whatever resources you or your loved ones might need. My sisters and brothers, we are still in this thing, this pandemic together, but we're, st- we're always in this thing called life and faith together. And God is always with us, just as we are always with each other. Thank you. Move into this time of prayer to Almighty God, this time when we are so blessed to offer our prayers to God for those that we know and love, and so I will leave a space of silence and invite you to name them out loud, just using their first names. But we're also going to pray for our world, and I will invite you to respond when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you may respond here our prayers. Let us now turn to God in prayer. Almighty God, hear us now as we gather the needs of others and ourselves And with all humility and boldness, we offer them to you in prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for your creation, Almighty God, the trees and the plants and the flowers, the air and the soil, all creatures. We pray that we may be mindful each day to tenderly care for your creation, just as you care for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for the people of the world. We pray for those who have abundance and those who have very little. May they come together and share as each one has need. May your Holy Spirit touch their hearts and indwell their souls. We pray, too, for those who live with fear and insecurities of food and safety. Especially, we pray for those in Ukraine and those who've had to flee their homeland. We pray that your Holy Spirit might lead them to places of shelter and nurture and spiritual fellowship. May we be such a place, Almighty God, welcoming all people, refugees, the homeless, and all strangers as Christ's hands of genuine hospitality. And we pray, too, this day for mothers and fathers across this land searching for formula for their infants. May this crisis soon be averted, and may the needs of all babies be
be made, we pray together. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, we pray for leaders everywhere, that each one might first turn to you in prayer and seek your wise counsel before they speak and before they act, so that they might lead according to your will with peace and justice and compassion and kindness. Especially, we do pray for Ukrainian leaders that they might know your strength and courage for the facing of each day. And we pray for Russian leaders that they might, Almighty God, cease their violence, destruction, and oppression, that they might seek your forgiveness and by the power of your Holy Spirit turn towards peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, we pray for graduates of 2022, those graduating from kindergartens and elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and graduate schools, most especially seminaries, for these are our future pastors. We pray your blessings upon them. Thank you for sustaining these students through their journeys, especially in the midst of the global pandemic that they have endured. May they always be led by you, holy God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of healing, comfort, we pray today for the families of the 33 individuals in our country who have been killed in the month of May due to gun violence, the mass shootings in Chicago and Buffalo, and our sisters and brother Presbyterians at the Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods, California. We pray for the comfort of the family members, the pastor, and the congregation. Bless them, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of healing, there are those that are near and dear to us and to our community of faith, and we ask your healing mercies to be with each one as we name them before you. Holy God, you hear these that we have named, and there are so many more that remain in our hearts. And we ask that your blessings of healing would be with each one, that you would provide for them all that they need for this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And hear us now as we join our many voices into one strong voice and pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Friends, we know that all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. So now, with great joy and generosity, let us give back to God all that we can through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
Jerusalem, just like John. John said the city was just four square. Walk in Jerusalem, just like John. And he declared he'd meet me there. Walk in Jerusalem, just like John. pray. God, we do praise you and thank you through the giving of these tithes and offerings. They come from souls that have been filled to overflowing with your goodness and your care and your provision. And so we give you these gifts. Bless and magnify them for your glory. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.
now, friends, out into this world to love and serve the Lord. Go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And I invite you also to remember that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may